Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Chris. I forgot what we say. <laughs> Start again. Um, we both love films. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Chris. And we love movies. We do. But not necessarily the no, same ones. No, this is true. This is becoming an ongoing, an ongoing theme. Yeah. Every week we show... Let me do that again. <laughs> Every week... One of us shows the other a movie that we like, and that person may or may not ruin it. Uh, but we'll ruin it for you because we're going to tell you what happens. So if you haven't seen it, then it's up to you whether you listen or not. Yeah. Okay. If you have seen it, then it's also up to you whether you listen or not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you might just not be interested at all. But you might. This week, we're going to watch... Waterworld. This is your film. I've never seen it, ever. It's amazing to me that you haven't seen it. I remember when it came out, and there was lots of talk about it, and I used to buy Empire Magazine at the time, and I remember there was lots of, lots of stuff about it in there, but I never, ever felt the need to go and see it for some reason. I don't know why. Um, so, I've seen this movie a bunch of times, but not in the past 10, 15 years. Okay. I used to really love watching it on TV because they would show it all the time, especially on like, you know, shitty sci-fi channel. So this is kind of a comfort film for you in that yeah. respect? It's a comfort film. It's sort of, I don't remember the movie itself very well, but I remember my experience of watching the movie. So it's really a nostalgia-motivated motiv yeah. experience. Mm -hmm. I think you might actually ruin this one. Okay. I'm worried that it's probably very easy to I ruin. I remember when it came out, everyone was saying, oh, it's good. if it's a massive flop, it will kill Kevin Costner's career. And um, I think it was a bit of a... I'm not, I'm not sure if it was a massive flop. I don't think it was that successful. I mean, it doesn't seem to have impacted his career because he's still fucking working. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not really following his career. I saw an ad for a Netflix thing that he's in, like, yesterday. And I was like, holy shit, why? Why? <laughs> so is he, is, is he quite good in this compared to The Untouchables? Please listen to episode one if you, you need to know if you know when this will make sense. Yeah, I mean, he would sort of have to be, right? <laughs> I think what what I said during The Untouchables episode is that He's better in this, not because he's a better actor in this, but because the setting is more sci-fi and disjoint from or from reality. Yeah, and he's supposed to be like this, not exactly human character, so his robotic delivery works better in this context. Okay, so he's not the so he's not really a better actor. You say he's just. I don't think so. This kind of setting is more suited to his acting style. Yeah. And how long is this film? I think it's over two hours. Okay. We better get on with it then, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, we'll watch the movie now and we'll report back what we find. <laughs> Right, so we just watched Waterworld. 
Yeah, we did. You might be able to hear the music in the background. Yeah. Literally, it's just finished. Yeah, it's literally the credits. Chris, what did you think of Waterworld? I want to know why you think it's good first. Okay. So I mean, we've had the, you know, other than that, it's kind of comfort viewing for you. Yeah, it's comfort viewing. It reminded me of sitting on the floor in front of the TV watching this, you know, at two in the afternoon when I was homesick from school. So watching it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like it's Mad Max meets Indiana Jones. There was a lot of uh, the derivatives were kind of fairly fairly obvious. Yeah, I don't think it's good. I think what I said about uh, what's his fuck Kevin Costner yeah. is dead on. <laughs> Because he's not a good actor in this either. I think he's not a good actor generally. There was one scene near the end where he actually looked quite upset. Mm. Almost. Almost. I think he's. I think he's a bad actor, but I think it works in this because he's supposed to be detached and sort of alienated from everybody else. So when he acts like a robot and everybody else acts like a human person. It sort of fits with the characterization. <laughs> Again, terrible actor, but it's okay. What did I like about this movie? I liked. So, what you actually do like now, having watched it? Yeah. What What do I think holds up? Um, I think the world building is very interesting. Um. I think the world building feeds into some interesting and troubling themes that maybe we'll talk about later. Rather like the set design. So specifically, the Mariner's boat. That's Kevin Costner's yeah, character's boat. I mean, yeah. Boat. That, was, that was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. But when it comes down to it, the technical things are one thing. And the, you know, the... The script and the story. Yeah. The script, oh, quite another. Yeah, the story is kind of abject bullshit. It's trash. Um, the it's, world building is only good if you look at it from a great distance. Once you get up close, it kind of falls apart. There's a few little things I noticed that I thought were kind of neat. Uh, like the way that they, they bury the dead by, recy by recycling them in this mm -hmm. atoll. And uh, so they're sort of making their own enriched soil by boiling down people. Yeah. Um, and that the, the, the smokers, the primary antagonist group, live, of course they have, yeah. live on the Exxon Valdez and they <laughs> idolize the captain of the Exxon, Val Exxon Valdez who crashed it and famously spilt all that oil. Look it up. He was drunk and stupid, whatever. That was kind of interesting. That was an, a neat little touch. When was the Exxon Valdez? I remember it. It was like eighty nine, of... I think. Hmm. Some time ago. It was in the eighties. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I found that interesting. But there, there wasn't. 
the Axon Valdez in, in the film. Was it the real Axon Valdez? No. Oh. That's what I thought you meant when you said the Axon Valdez. It's the, the actual... Oh, no, no, no. Like, been left. Yeah, in the story itself, it's supposed to be the Exxon Valdez. Okay. Yeah. So, Chris, was there I mean, anything you liked that I didn't mention? No. Okay. <laughs> what did you dislike? I mean, it was your standard trashy Hollywood film. Good guys and bad guys, and all the cliches in between. Like one of the cliches, you there's always there. It always seems to be. Although I can't actually name any of the films there because they just seem to be in everything. With the good guy and the bad guy. So the same with the Irish guy. Do you remember that the Irish oh, guy yeah. with no shirt on who was going to rape her, whatever. Yeah. That they're, they're down below fighting and they've got knives, and then you see Helen and the, the Enola, or whatever she's called on deck and you see you're waiting for someone to come up you so you know someone's someone's one but you don't know who the audience doesn't know oh who. yeah and then up comes the irish guy and you think oh no the irish guy's done him in he's done him in and then but i was like no 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 of course no not. that's not what's yeah, happened that's and a then the irish guy comes up oh he's got he's got a fucking great wound in his back he's dead yeah and yeah. then comes kevin costner yeah yeah, that's a trope that's, like, a very standard thing. Like, there's some, I guess, arguably, it's, like, a dramatic tension. But, like, because it's a trope, it completely defeats the as purpose. As soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, God, one of these again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else did I hate? I mean, I, I hated all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just trash. Shit. Yeah. Um, in this sort of hodgepodge yeah. of uh, Mad Max meets Indiana Jones, the Andy Indiana Jones part really bothered me. Indiana Jones, if he was a fish. Yeah, if he was a fish man, like because <clears throat> in every action scene, Kevin Costner's character does some stunt of some sort, and the music switches to like this very Indiana Jones theme type of music. And I found it really jarring because... The music was all over the place. Yeah, it was yeah. insane. Like, I don't know. It's like somebody who <laughs> somebody who uh, is unfamiliar with the medium of film did the music, who, like, was watching this and deciding what music to put for each scene and just... They they didn't they'd never seen a film before, so they're just like, I like this music. Let me put it for this. That was really that was not great. I can't decide if I liked Oh no, I thought that was a cliche too. When when the film starts on the universal logo, the earth, and then that turns into you pan into that and it turns into what? Yeah. That's a bit of a cliche too. Actually. Yeah. You don't really see that anymore. Well, I don't ever watch any of these films to be honest. I mean, it was something you saw quite a bit in movies from my childhood. In, but first of all, Indiana Jones film is the Lost Ark. The Paramount Mountain turns into yeah. the mountain you see at the beginning. <sighs> anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just a hodgepodge of cliches, really. It really is. Yeah. I don't know if it was cliched at the time. <laughs> it, it's certainly cliched now. It would help if you had watched this when it came out, or had seen it growing up as a child. I have never seen this film until yeah. now. And never <laughs> will again. <laughs> oh, and how about... Like, like, just instances like when... There's in moments of peril, and then you think, oh, well, how are they going to get out of it? And then it just, they get out of it in the quickest, simplest way. Yeah. Like the at the end, the 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 the, the um the finale when mm -hmm. when Enola. So when the bad guy Dennis Hopper shoots, comes up at the water after he's fallen in the water, mm -hmm. after they've shake shook him off, and he shoots them, but he doesn't shoot the fucking. The balloon, the balloon, yeah. whatever it is. He shoots the, the um, he the shoots rope. one of the ropes off, yeah. And then it falls in the water, and you think, oh no. And then he get, I mean, for Christ's sake, I mean, he get, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Costner then jumps from this aircraft thing into the water with, with a bungee jump thing. Yeah, that's not even attached to the yeah. other side. He's, He's like, tie this off, and he, he jumps. He has a lot of faith in these guys. He shouldn't, though, because there's nothing in this film that says that she is even marginally competent. But, guess what? This rope is exactly, exactly <laughs> the right length. <laughs> exactly the right length. Exactly. To, this, to, the, to the millimeter, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, because there's three jet skis coming at Enola in the water, when Kevin Costner plucks, out, plucks her out of the water, those three jet skis... Collide and explode, and then the bad guys are out of the way. Bad guys That's are all gone. All they had to do, perfect. Yeah, absolutely perfect for them. Yeah, it's it's also real fucking long. Yeah, it's over two hours. It did not need to be. There were quite a few scenes where, you know, if you're paying attention, you got what it was saying in the first minute and then it just went on for another 10. Another cliche is like the, the girl and you know, I feel like every film there's a, there's a, a, like a, a child character yeah. that has an issue or or kind of a spunky youth something. Yeah. Like oh she can't swim but by the end she manages to swim. Oh and they're going to find they're looking for land happy ending they find land. Right. Ah. I thought the film was trying to say something sort of interesting about halfway through when she's like, what do you mean there's no dry land? And he's like, there isn't. I've never seen it and I've gone further than anybody. I thought maybe the film was trying to say like, survival is not something that you finish doing. Survival is an ongoing process. And in this harder world, this water world, okay. it's something you have to fight for. No, I must admit, I did doze off a bit. Yeah, you, you dozed off a couple of times. <laughs> I did try and stay awake throughout, but, but I mean, we don't we don't have to recount the plot. I mean, I could, I could, and I won't help me. Oh, we could do the plot in thirty seconds. <laughs> like, there's very little that actually happens in the movie. Uh, Fishman finds girl, finds an atoll, and on this atoll, there's a woman with a young girl with a map tattooed on her back. 
that Matt points to Dryland. They're in Waterworld. Nobody's ever seen Dryland. What I didn't quite get, and this is a fancy, was what, how, how this girl, why this girl has this map tattooed on her back in the first place. Yeah, so it's not really clear for most of the film. We find out at the end, she must have come from Dryland. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And the parents, apparently the whole community, because when they actually show you Dryland at the end, spoilers, Dryland exists, and we go to it at the end. When they show you Dryland, there's multiple houses, but apparently that whole community is dying to save their children. Apparently they just put them in baskets full of sand and dirt and put them on the current, and they found an Enola on the atoll she washed up there. So kind of very... It's quite biblical, right? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty biblical. Um, it doesn't really save it, though, does it? No, no, it doesn't. The movie's like... The movie is really weird thematically. Like, it's, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's sort of... I think it's sort of just something that popped out of people who have an unexamined politic. Like, the writers probably have a very unexamined politic. So, like, I think on the surface level, the film is trying to say something about climate change. Okay. Basically. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, the ice caps have melted. Right. It's sort of like, <clears throat> the ice caps have melted, look at how horrible <clears throat> life is now. Everybody's fighting and dying. Yada, yada, yada. Weren't our ancestors stupid jerks? Okay. Surface level, consistent, I guess. I don't think that's particularly interesting as a viewpoint. I think yeah. I think other movies have done it better. It, it made it, oh, yeah, other movies have made it, cool. I made it more of an issue. Yeah. Not trying to entertain us. Right. I mean, I think what this Quite movie... As much as that tried to do yeah i think this movie is sort of if it wants to make that point if it wants to sort of have the ecology angle yeah it's not successful because there are no societies left there's sort of individuals who interact briefly the only societies really we really see are the smokers who live on the exxon valdez and it's not so much a society as it is like a work camp, almost. Because there's no, you know, societies are, I think, I think the way to define what a society is, one that which is self-sustaining, and the smokers are not self-sustaining because they don't produce anything. They just have oil and they refine it into gas and then they pillage. The other society we see briefly is the atoll, which has, you know, 30 people and we spend 20 minutes there and half of that time is it blowing up. So I think that's one of the shortcomings of this movie trying to make this sort of ecological point is that it, doing so you have to sort of present it in terms of society and societal impacts because that is how we currently experience life. And if you can't do that in the film then it it, it's not impactful. It doesn't translate to our lived experience. I mean, it's like they, oh, let's 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 find a, like a let's find a an issue and make a big entertainment film. Yeah. Without actually putting any kind of 
thought into the issue. Yeah, exactly. It's like Indiana Jones, where, you know, he pillages ancient sites for their riches and says, this should be in a museum. But of course, he's pillaging the site. <laughs> like, it's just unexamined. But that's a much more entertaining film. It is, yeah. Uh, I think somewhat deeper than that sort of surface level ecological statement, there, this movie says, or this movie says, I think inadvertently, quite a bit about indigeneity. Indigeneity, as I understand it, is about having an ancestral and cultural connection to a place. And so all the places being wiped out by the water is the eradication of indigeneity. Mm -hmm. Everyone is transient. Everyone is a drifter, effectively. Um, and I think, I don't think this is like a consistent theme in the movie, because I, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just sort of fallen out of an unexamined politic yeah. of whoever wrote yeah. it. But I think that the, <clears throat> I think that the mariner, who has gills and webbed digits. The who, nameless mariner, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Costner's character. Because he is adapted for the water, he is supposed to represent a new indigeneity. And in that sense, his character sort of fills the role of what is sometimes called the noble savage. Are you familiar with this trope? I don't believe I am. Okay, so like the idea is that... Um, so the noble savage is the character who is native or indigenous and has uh, some sort of vaguely supernatural connection to the world. So like, um, it's hard to think of an example because it, oh, have you seen Avatar? No. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to explain this to you. Um, so, you know, this... That's another film I've consciously avoided. Yes, for good reason. It's fucking terrible. It is one of the worst movies I've seen. In a long I gave time. up on James Cameron after Titanic. Titanic is garbage. Tell your friends. I've seen that. We're straying off. We're straying off our film. Um, I mean, we're, we're not... We could... I mean, we're never going to do Titanic because we're going to have to watch it again. Yeah, no, absolutely We've both not. seen it anyway, so... Yeah. We both hate it, so it wouldn't make yeah. an interesting yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> but unless we both like it, they'd have to watch it again. No. 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 Anyway, back to Waterworld. Yeah, so the noble savage trope is uh, this native or indigenous person has like a spiritual connection, connection to the world, and this sort of in the context of the narrative gives them like supernatural powers almost they're like hyper proficient uh or you know something of that nature and they show up in the in the film in order to drive the plot along but sort of as a parallel party to the protagonist and then they return to nature and there's there's more to this archetype but yeah, this is not my lane, so I don't know that I should really spend a ton of time <laughs> uh, trying to explain it poorly. 
But I think he, Kevin Costner's character is supposed to represent like a new indigeneity in the context of Waterworld. And I think that his character represents like a noble savage archetype. And I think that these smokers represent like a settler colonial archetype. Do you think the filmmakers actually consciously thought about all this when no. they were making the film? Or it's just something you've read into it? I think it's something I've read into it. I don't think it's... You're trying to put... In a, in a vain effort to put something yeah. more meaningful into this film. I mean, so, like... Obviously, like, indigenous issues is not my lane. Yeah. But I think it is probably a fruitful lens to think about this movie in a critical way. Because... Mm-hmm it really starts with the eradication of indigeneity, which like, let's be real. That is the goal of settler colonialism. And like, you know, I think that's maybe a a useful lens. Okay. And there's, I don't think it's saying anything good, but I think it's saying something sort of interesting in in the language of film. Okay. So that's something to consider. Next time anyone wants to watch Waterworld, if, if, yeah. any, if anyone out there is listening and fancies watching it, yeah. if you have watch a... it, but put, take, put bear all this in mind that we've talked about. Um, and, you know, yeah, yeah. comment on our, on our come, come back to us and comment and say if you agree with us. Because we'd love some feedback, wouldn't we? Yeah. I know one person who's listened and he said that uh, our last episode was great. Oh, really? Yeah. Trying to film with it lost. What did you say? Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. Do you know we didn't talk about the music in Midnight Cowboy? Yeah, we did. No, we didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't remember talking about it. The sex scene with the. Oh, that music! I meant the the rest of it, like the 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 song specifically, the famous song. Oh. Everybody's talking to me. Anyway, I did, that's another film. Yeah, I, I don't know that that... The music was like the least of <laughs> the interesting things to talk about with Midnight, Midnight Cowboy, so... When I read all the reviews about it, everyone was talking about the song. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's strange. Anyway, so I, well, while I was watching, well, trying to watch the, the end of that film, Waterworld, I was looking at some interesting, interesting facts about it. I took... Seem to recall when it came out, there was one of the most expensive films, if not the most expensive film. Yeah, it was the most expensive film at the time. Uh, And apparently, it was filmed in Hawaii, some of it. Yeah. If not all of it. Uh, June Triplecorn refused to strip for this film, even though she had done nude scenes previously. Uh, She'd got, I think, I think she'd gone her tits out in brief. Oh, not Brave Camera. What's it called? That film. That <laughs> film with Sharon Stone where she flashes in. Oh, um. Basic Instinct. Yes. Yeah. However, she insisted on choosing her body double as she wanted the naked backside shown to resemble her own. Hmm. And she had three finalists go into a trailer and drop their robes. She described it as such an odd experience that none of them could stop laughing. In between takes of a nude scene, Triple Horn remained off camera. To offer a robe or towel to the double. Well, that's, that was interesting for a bit. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, 
Apparently Kevin Reynolds and Kevin, the director Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner at the start had a massive squabble on the film, resulting in the director walking off the project, leaving Kevin Costner to finish it. Oh. Reynolds was quoted as saying that Kevin Costner should only star in movies he directs. That way he can work with his favourite actor and favourite director. Oh, fuck off. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, apparently Costner personally invested $22 million of his own money into this film. Why does Kevin Costner have 22 million? Or why did he? Well, he was very big. Yeah. You, did you, have, was... have you ever seen Dances with Wolves? I don't think so. That'd be worth looking at. I saw it once on TV, like, sometime in the 90s. Hmm. And I remember liking it a lot, but that was, like, over 20 years ago, so I don't know if it would hold up now. Uh, yeah, prior to Titanic, this was the most expensive film ever produced. Sorry for mentioning that again. Hmm. There's lots of uh, interesting things here, but I'm not going to read them. So, okay. Um, oh, the 112-foot model of the Exxon Valdez set aban- sets, sat abandoned at the Mojave Airport airplane scrapyard until August 2015, 20 years after the film was released, when it was partially stripped to be repurposed as set decoration for Wasteland Weekend. Wow. Mm-hmm. This was filmed over 157 days. That's fast. Working six days a week. Jesus Christ. One thing this movie did really well was sell the scale. Yeah. I mean, for the most expensive film. Yeah, I suppose it's not that impressive for something that costs so much. Well, um, what was the worst part of the movie? Uh, just the cliches. Yeah. The that that one at the end where with the, the 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 bungee jump. The bungee jump. That was. I thought that was ridiculous. I actually sat there and said to you, "That's fucking ridiculous." Yes. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of cliches. See, this is my antidote to this is watching Fassbender every Sunday night. <laughs> I've got three more left to watch. Oh. So, well, have we got anything else to say about Waterworld? Have we? Have we? Have we scaled the depths of? Uh... Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so too. I think we should never talk about this again. <laughs> never again. Oh. Yeah, we've done it. Waterworld is a done deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you didn't ruin it, but it ruined itself. Yes, that's what <laughs> I was thought would happen. But. Uh, I waited 24 years to watch this film and I should just not have bothered. Well, now you've seen it. (laughs) 
I don't feel any better for it. Some films you should just never watch. Yeah, true. Sometimes you can tell what they are. Yeah. Like, I've not watched any, any of the new Star Wars films. I actually like I know you them. like the just most one recent one. one. Yeah. It's the only one I've ever seen that I liked. It was still recording? Yeah. Okay. Why not? What else, what else should I never watch? Oh my god! Have you ever seen 2012? Yeah. <laughs> my, I, my friend put it on as a like, he knew it was a joke because he knew I'd hate it. And I was yeah. like, what the, f- the fuck is this? What the actual fuck? Yeah. And he would do that to make, just to sit there and laugh. I love apocalypse movies as a genre. So like there's so many of them. There are because I think we are in a existential get age. ready for the apocalypse. Yeah, I mean I think it's like very much in the in the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. which is I think that's one reason why Waterworld is so disappointing because it had the potential to use that setting in an interesting way and really, if it told a good story, it could be really impactful. And it just it didn't. No. It was sort of given all the benefits in the world and just fucked it up. The most expensive film ever. Ever. At the time. At the time, yeah. Hmm. Actually, the sinking of the ship gave me an, a, an idea for the next film we should watch. Oh, yeah? Hmm. It's not Titanic, is it? No. Good. But it's... <laughs> Anything but Titanic. It's a film about the Titanic. But it's not Titanic. Okay. <clears throat> hmm. Stay tuned for our next episode. It might be about the Titanic. It might not. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be episode four. No, this is episode four. What was episode two then? Oh, no, it was... um. Um, Hugh Jackman, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I forgot what that film's called already. Logan. Logan. Yeah. Episode five, that will be coming soon. So this is Chris and Chris. Still loving movies, not, 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 still not necessarily the same ones, but definitely not Waterworld. Definitely not Waterworld. Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, it's ruined for him. It's ruined. Yeah. Ruined for me. Ruined for you. Ruined for everybody. <laughs>